Music Farmer. I am Ben Grimm. That really is my name. Spring break forever. Oh, pandemic life. I have no guest for this episode, so it's just me, myself, and I. Um, I guess I'll I can turn this show into a prepper podcast. Uh, we'll we'll wait and find out. We'll wait to see on that. Virus pandemic life. Toilet paper is a huge deal right now. I think it's just an elaborate Ashton Kutcher prank to toilet paper somebody's house. I think somebody's house is getting toilet papered on an epic level. And Ashton's behind it. And I want in. A prank of elaborate, epic proportions in a very confusing time. I've made some nice modifications to my car. I've started dressing differently. You know, gauntlets, padding, spikes. Bean inventory is done. A bean grim inventory, if you will. Um, yeah, prepper talk here. Uh, got the life straws. That's kind of a necessary thing. I would, I would highly recommend those. I'm not going to start plugging a bunch of products on here like Alex Jones, but life straws, you know, you need to be a little prepared. It helps to be just a little smart and prepared. Uh, of course, nobody wants to look crazy, but having an emergency stash of food around like rice and spam and, uh, you know, freeze-dried camping meals, stuff like that, that's handy, especially right now. So, you know, think about that. Consider it extra water, life straws, a bug out bag. If you got to get the hell out of Dodge, get that camping gear on standby. I've checked in and contacted all the people I know that have chickens. Uh, that's a solid move. If you have chickens or you know people with chickens, you're set up right there. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's, that's handy and helpful in these uh, uncertain, depressing times, maybe, for some people. Of course, I kid, I know, you know, there's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of health and financial hardships going around for people, especially the elderly or people that are already sick or the already poor or people that just can't get access to things that they need. Um, so that's certainly extremely serious. And I don't, uh, that's, that's not all lost. That's not lost on me. But I do think this is a reset button we all need. That's the real prank on humanity. A microscopic, unseen enemy that is acting as a great equalizer. It's affecting everybody, everything, globally. Pretty crazy. Uh, maybe we've all gone unchecked for too long, and something like this needs to happen every once in a while. Because the world is crazy. It's a crazy place. Uh, so I guess enough about the doom and dark times. Um, let's hit the reset button and bounce back soon. I don't want to watch the world burn, but, um, maybe some small fires here and there need to happen. Are you with me? So I was lucky enough to go to a wedding recently in Joshua Tree, California, and I ended up staying at a home away rental owned by Eric Burden of the Animals. So that was kind of cool. Super beautiful property, first time out there, got to spend a little time in the park. The ceremony was in the national park, so that's different and 
great and fun, and it makes for amazing photos and just a very uh, a very untraditional kind of wedding, and on a smaller scale too. So everything was really personal. Anyway, yeah, this house, um, Eric Burden. If you're not familiar, you've definitely heard House of the Rising Sun, or uh, their music is used a ton in soundtracks, and you might have not even realized. I think my personal favorites from the Animals, from 1965, Animal Tracks, It's My Life, and Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood are probably the two songs that stand out to me a lot. But I like House of the Rising Sun, too. It's a classic. It's cemented. It's awesome. It will forever be a great song. And something else cool about this place was that there was a very old Seaberg jukebox in the house, um, of course with some animal songs in it, but many, many, many others. A Seaberg jukebox model STD2 in working condition, although the speakers sounded like they were almost completely shot. But it did work. Sometimes played the wrong song. When you punched in a certain song, it would just play something else. But it was pumping out some jams. Got loud enough, audible enough. So that's kind of awesome to find and see one of those in the wild in working order uh, because Seaberg is way gone. Seaberg Corporation made all this old equipment, automated musical equipment, such as jukeboxes and vending equipment. And let's see, according to just quickly here, Wikipedia, when did they go out of business? Uh, I don't know. I can't see it here. Um, yeah, Seaberg, you've got that model. I mean, you'll have to, that's meaningless unless you just Google it. But if you just want to see what I'm talking about, Google image, Seaberg jukebox model STD2. Cool machine. Well, let's see. What else have I been listening to? Let's see. What else have I been listening to? Kringben? Yeah, Kringben. A coworker turned me on to Kringben. That's K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N. If you haven't heard that Texas Sun song with Leon Bridges, that's Kringben with him. And Kringben is Laura Lee, Mark Spear, Donald Ray, DJ Johnson Jr. on drums. And they're awesome. That's a Maybe that could pique your interest if you're dying of boredom right now. Or just go watch that Texas Sun official video, and then you can go from there. What else has been recently played? I like the Discover playlist on Spotify. Your Discover Weekly, I like going to that. That's a favorite. I was checking out the High Fidelity official playlist recently from the new show with Zoe Kravitz. I don't think... I wasn't falling in love with it as much as the original movie soundtrack, but there is a High Fidelity official playlist for the new Hulu show. If that's interesting, too, I listened to a little bit of that. Got some Post Malone and Jenny Lewis popping up here, too, recently played. Okay, that I guess that happened, too. For some reason, listening to Kring Ben dislodged this really old memory of a road trip I was on with my grandmother going to, like, Brackettville, Texas, or something like that. Pretty long car ride. She would only really ever have sports talk radio on most of the time or the news didn't keep very many cassettes in the car but there were two cassette tapes i do now remember on that road trip eric clapton and bob seeger and thinking back on all this that was some of the very first music i was really exposed to and really or really listened to at length other than what country music was playing on the radio at the time which I heard a lot of just being in the car with my parents. But on this road trip, I think really she only had this Bob Seger tape, Eric Clapton, and then maybe Hank Williams cassette tape. 
that I listened to a little bit too, but I think I focused on that Eric Clapton tape mostly and wore that out on the road trip to where we were going and on the way back. To be more specific, Hank Williams Jr. cassette tape, Jr., Hank Williams Jr. Can't recall the exact albums, but I was around seven years old, and we are in an early 90s model Ford Crown Victoria, and that's a beautiful thing going on a road trip in a Crown Vic because people get out of the way. And I always wanted my grandmother to race an actual cop in that thing. I don't know, maybe she wanted to. Maybe she thought about it at times. Maybe she wanted to run from the police, but couldn't do it with a seven-year-old child in the car. You never know. So that was a bluesy, comfy ride with my Eric Clapton and the Crown Vic and Grandma going off to whatever sightseeing we were doing that particular weekend. I went on a lot of road trips with her. Great memories there. So let's change gears and do something weird. And I'll go all PBS on you and get educational and talk about some anthropology because I think it's really interesting and topical and kind of applies to the times somewhat and where we're headed if things get worse. And talking about anthropology, I'm talking about the study of ancient civilizations like the Trobrianders of Papua New Guinea, tribes of people that still practice very old traditions and practice a very old way of life on these islands, even today. So I think this is just interesting because, you know, we might all have to be uh, farming soon, Might have to learn to farm. Talking about anthropology and the Trobrianders. We're talking about yams here, people. And banana leaves. Piles. Giant piles. Ten feet high of yams. And the trading of yams. And the using of yams as currency. Are we headed that direction? Maybe. Kind of looking like it. Things are getting weird. The Trobrian Islands are one of anthropology's most sacred places. Having attained scientific renown through Bronislaw Kasper Malinowski, who is an anthropologist... And I'm reading from a book here, The Trobrianders of Papua New Guinea. So I just wanted to read some stuff. And why not? Because this might be fun. So the Trobrian Islands are one of anthropology's most sacred places. Having attained scientific renown through Malinowski's seminal fieldwork, anthropology was barely established as a formal discipline. When, through unexpected circumstances, he first discovered its importance as a field of study. At the very least, it's just a point of interest if your kids have made you watch Frozen too many times, here's something you can dive into and be interested in that's extremely interesting. The Trobrianders of Papua New Guinea. So let's cut to something else here, another paragraph. The circumstances of World War II abruptly changed the direction of colonial efforts. Although the Japanese did not invade the Trobrians, they occupied all the islands to the north. Missionaries and government officials were evacuated at the beginning of the war and in preparation for an allied offensive. American and Australian troops set up an extensive base operation on Kiriwina. Suddenly, the Trobrianders had to reckon with the presence of airplanes, artillery, troop ships, and soldiers. In the northern part of the islands, the main road and two airstrips were built, and wounded from the fighting elsewhere were flown daily to the Kiriwina Field Hospital. These are people in grass skirts and huts, guys. Faced with almost a hundred years of new ideas and changes instituted, by a colonial government, missionaries, traders, and even allied soldiers, Trobrianders generally held firm to many of their most important beliefs. This resurgence of traditional cultural values reflects a worldview that is not easily threatened or profoundly disturbed. 
Such cultural resiliency raises the question of why these fundamental Trobrian beliefs and values remain so firmly anchored in tradition. Cut to another paragraph. This is the anthropologist walking into the village for the first time and just making observations. And again, I'm no anthropology scholar, although maybe of the armchair variety, I'm just reading from a book here. Finally, we turned off the main road and continued on a footpath. We entered a small village, and I immediately noticed that men at each house either were busy preparing earth ovens for roasting pigs or were cooking taro pudding. Trobrian houses are made of woven coconut leaf walls with thatched roofs, placed back from a clear-centered area, a public plaza of sorts, where all major events and meetings take place. At the edge of the plaza stand the yam houses, the storage places where yams, the major food, are carefully stacked after each harvest. As we entered the village, no one paid attention to yams or even to the men who were cooking. All the excitement was being generated by the activities coming from the central plaza, where hundreds of women sat or stood surrounded by as many baskets. I saw that the baskets were filled with something I had never read or heard about, banana leaf bundles. Cut to another paragraph. Even in village events that are obviously rival encounters, winners pretend that they lost. In cricket matches, regardless of the actual score, the host team must always win. In yam competitions, young men are... <laughs> uh, yeah, yams. It's like money. Yams. In yam competitions, young men are given prizes of money or traditional stone wealth for growing the largest yams. Each winner usually makes a self-deprecating comment such as, I did not really work hard in the garden, or I am only a small boy and I do not know much about yams when he receives his payment. Cut to some more juicy Trobrian culture. Seduction with magic. Just as young people cannot become truly beautiful without the help of older people, so too their access to magic spells is limited. Although Kyrenians believe that no one can make up a new magic spell, many traditional spells circulate widely. The most common way for young people to obtain magic spells is to learn them from their older kin by giving food, tobacco, and money. The giving must be generous and must last for many years if the younger person hopes to learn all his or her mentor's spells. Older people teach the spells by giving away only a few lines at a time. When they die... They may not have taught the full spell or all the magic they know. Therefore, spells are often lost in part or fully. Many villagers complained to me, this is the anthropologist, that a particular magic spell they had was weak because a mother, for example, only taught them part of it when she died and the rest was lost. A married woman sometimes may learn very important spells from a lover who is visiting from another island. The man gives the spells because he loves her very much and wants to give her more than betel nuts or tobacco. Magic spells may be also bought from others. When men travel to other islands, especially on Kula voyages, a Kula voyage, or to work, they often return with magic spells they have purchased while away. Today, those villagers who are literate write their coveted magic spells in copybooks, which they hide in the house's rafters or in a locked trunk. More on yams. At the beginning of the harvest, the yams stay on display in the gardens for about a month until, with great ceremony, the gardener takes them to the owner, that is, a woman, where they are loaded into her husband's empty yam house. 
Early on the day that the yams are carried to the owner's hamlet, the young people come to the gardens dressed in their most festive traditional clothes, decked out with flowers. The conical piles are then dismantled, and then the yams put in woven baskets. So what I'm trying to say here is that you might be trading your spam and yams with your neighbor pretty soon. That's all I'm trying to say. I hope you learned something here. Thanks for listening. We'll have a guest on the podcast pretty soon. Be well, be cool. Be cool.